Hey, Salt Lake, at the risk of being too personal, is your mattress sagging? If you are rolling into a taco every night, I am begging you to visit your local mattress warehouse and just try something a little firmer. Your spine is the center of your being, and I don't just want you to have good posture. I want you to Disney princess your way around this city, flush with optimism from a good night's sleep. Visit mattresswarehouseutah.com to find the location nearest you. That's mattresswarehouseutah.com. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. According to Gallup polling, Salt Lake City has had a higher percentage of queer residents than Los Angeles. And yet, look around you and find not one single lesbian bar in this city. So where did they go? And how do we rebuild them? Plus, at the end of the show, we have a sponsored chat that just might lead you to find a new favorite place to hang out and get stuff done. It's Monday, November 27th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Sarah Real, you are my friend and a great drinking buddy and a self-described Salt Lake born and bred lesbian. Why can't we find a single lesbian bar, not just in this city, but in this entire state? I don't have a great answer for you, but also thank you. I am proud to be a born and bred lesbian from Salt Lake City. We used to have lesbian bars, plural. There have been different eras of queer LGBTQ spaces in Utah. The most recent lesbian bar in Utah was called The Paper Moon, and it closed down a few years ago, unfortunately, and since then we have not seen any lesbian bars or lesbian-specific spaces pop up. Okay, give us The Paper Moon 101. Where was it, and what did you find when you walked in the door on any given night? Ugh, the memories are flooding back. The Paper Moon was at about 36, 37 South State Street. Yeah. The Paper Moon, which we also called the Poon for short, and or the Tuna Can because it had tin walls and then it had pink decor. <laughs> so the Paper Moon or the Poon. What? Amazing space. You would walk in and there were pool tables that were pink. Pink walls, pink t tin walls, a dance floor. There were cages at the end of the dance floor that weren't ever occupied. So they were just like free game for people to want to dance. There was also a patio space. So it was kind of like a space where you could be quiet outside and have a conversation. You could get crazy on the dance floor. You could play pool, hang out at the bar. It kind of had something for everyone. It was also frequently known as the place where you could not have drinks on the dance floor. And I, in thinking about talking about the Paper Moon, I, I talked to a bunch of my friends that we frequented the Paper Moon together. And a lot of them brought up this, remember how you couldn't have drinks on the dance floor? Which is so wild because, <laughs> you know, you want to be drinking while you're dancing and you don't want to be leaving your drink anywhere. So that was always like the DJ was constantly like, no drinks on the dance floor. Um, there was amazing bartenders, and it was a place where you could really see all different types 
of lesbians from across the state of Utah. Not just the city. No, not just the city. You know, folks came down from all the counties. The snow drinks on the dance floor thing is really, I'm hung up on this. <laughs> because when I think of some of the queer bars that we have now, I think of like the Trap, the Sun Trap, Milk. Like those are some of the stickiest dance floors in this town. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what, though? It didn't stop us from having a great time on that dance floor. And one of the memories a friend wrote was that she remembers hearing them say, no drinks on the dance floor. And everyone had drinks on the dance floor and cheers at that moment when they were saying it. Like it was probably <laughs> a rule that wasn't meant to be followed, but they definitely tried. Yeah. It's like when it's like, get off the lawn. And you're like, well, I'm already halfway across the lawn at this point. Like <laughs> exactly. Except for the get off the lawn person was rah-rah behind the, the bar or the DJ. So good. Well, how was the vibe different? Because I mean, we're here to talk about just lesbian bars, but we do have queer bars in this city. We have our queer dance bars. We have our queer sports bars like The Locker Room and Paxton's Pub. How was the vibe different from the queer bars that we have now? Like, why was this important that it was a lesbian space? You know, I thought a lot about that. And I think there is something to be said to have a lesbian specific space, a space where women can feel comfortable. So for myself, this is my lived experience, but for myself as someone who isn't completely identifying queer outwardly in my clothing or in my hair or whatnot, right? I would go to straight bars. And if I was with my girlfriend, it was like, you know, every dude there wanted to be like, are you sure you're really gay? You know, why don't you kiss in front of me? And so for girls, for lesbians, for women, Having a space that identified as a lesbian bar was really important for us to feel safe. You know, when the Paper Moon was open, we didn't have dating apps, we didn't have social media. So the way that you could meet other women was at the Paper Moon. And that was really impactful, not just for dating, but for community and feeling like you belonged. And when you could walk into this space and see all different types of women who like women it really gave you a sense of belonging and it was visibility. It made you feel physically safe, mentally safe because you didn't feel so alone. You could build community, you could build friends. And although we have other queer spaces and generally gay bars, I think that there's something different and something really important about lesbian bars. Well, I'm sure that listeners are dying to know, why did the Paper Moon close? You know, <laughs> I'm not saying this is how it always is, but there is a stereotype with lesbians and lesbian community that we're in monogamous relationships and we're always at home with our animals and we're not going out as often. And you move fast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Second date, call the U-Haul, bring it over, you're moving in. But it, I mean, it is true in a lot of ways, specifically with like my community of lesbians that I know, a lot of them aren't really going out types as often. And so it didn't survive, I think, primarily because it was a you know, they tried to hold different events during the week, but the only night that I would go to the paper moon was Saturday night. And I don't think that a bar can stay open with knowing that only on Saturdays you were going to have huge clientele. The wild part is, is that when they said they were closing, everyone was devastated and every lesbian in the state of Utah showed up to the paper moon that night to go for one last time. And I kind of wanted to say, where were you all to keep this place open? You know, my first time going to the Paper Moon, I had been in the closet for a long time. And I was finally out and I was working at Utah State. I'd moved to Salt Lake. And I went to the Paper Moon and 
I met so many friends that are still my lifelong friends, like my chosen family. And to me, that was so pivotal in my survival because I was able to feel like I wasn't so isolated and alone. And I know that we have social media and dating apps, but it's just, it, you can't replace that. You can't replace that feeling of a physical space that builds community like that. And so I'm sincerely sad for all of our Utah lesbians that they don't have that space. And yeah, I love going to Milk. I love going to uh, the Sun Trap. But, you know, it's just not the same, especially like if you're trying to date. You don't know if every woman there is up open to dating, right? Most women at Milk are straight. Let's just say it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I didn't want to say that as directly, but I'm, I welcome you saying it. I'll say it. <laughs> It's true. And it's unfortunate. You know, I went to Milk recently with some friends who were recently single and we were out dancing and and I was like, this has to be so hard. Like, how do you know what women you can like go up and say, hey, do you want to dance? And you're not just saying that as a friend. You're saying that as like, I want to get to know you. Right. And so it makes me sad, not just for like the ability to meet someone and date, but just the community space and feeling like, oh, look, I'm not alone. Salt Lake City, what if this is the year you host Easter dinner or brunch? Harmon's makes big meals easy to prepare with delicious holiday specialties made from scratch. Just heat and serve, baby. Lay a pre-cooked honey ham on the table and absorb the compliments from your family or friends. They don't need to know you napped instead of staring down the oven. And if you're not the host but need something to bring, here are just a few of my favorite spring ideas. First of all, Harmon's fragrant Easter lilies will impress anybody's mom or delight a neighbor. Now there's no need to even heat up a pre-made side like deviled eggs or fresh cut pineapple, but bonus points if you transfer them into your own dish. And as listeners of this show well know, I will lose my mind if you show up to my house with Harmon's hot cross buns. I invite you to make some new Easter traditions with Harmon's. I mean, I don't want to make you speculate too much, but the fact that we can't find a single lesbian bar in Salt Lake City, this is also a national problem. It's not just a local problem. And, you know, you mentioned the sort of like, I don't know, people want to be at home. They want to be cozy. Like, but are there other factors or other things that you think have have played into us getting to this situation? I'm not sure, but I think that well, first of all, I think that there are more lesbians than ever in the state of Utah. And I think that maybe it's rethinking the programming of that space. So, yes, you're right. Nationally, we've seen a lot of lesbian bars closing, which has been devastating. But recently, there's been some new ideas that I think really work with this new generation, especially. And obviously, selfishly for me, I really love this idea that has that popped up in Portland, which is called the Sports bra and it is a bar that primarily that only plays women's sports and that is really cool because i would love to have a space where i could go watch women's sports connect with my lesbian community and maybe also on saturday night and friday night it's a dance party like they shifted into a dance club right like there's opportunities for that that kind of fits a lot of the different needs of the community because everyone is 
you know, so diverse and so different and has different things that they enjoy doing. And uh, maybe that's like, you know, one night they're doing like an art wine night. And then it's like, but you know what I mean? I think you have to kind of cater to all different types of lesbians in order to possibly survive. But I think that there's opportunity to do that. Would it be fair to say, because I'm kind of hearing you say like, there was something amazing about this era, but it is bygone. And when we say we're never going back, maybe we do have to like re-envision these spaces for the future and they just are different. Like we've just built a different future. So what is that future? I think that re-envisioning that future requires investment of folks dedicated to creating those spaces, which is hard to find. You know, there's like an economic part of it, right? Like you need to be able to survive. I think that showing demand, like if one lesbian bar opened up and it showed a lot of demand and it was really popular, that gives opportunity for the market to open up more. But I think that in this evolving queer space, it would be interesting to see something like just like the paper moon open up again. And I think it might need to be different, but it would be able to be more um, reflective of the community that it is today. It's something that is possible, and I hope some investors would invest in such things because I promise you, lesbians are dedicated. They will show up to these things. But you got to make it work in a way that is more than – it can't be the same milk model. It needs to be different. Well, I mean, if we think outside of traditional four walls and a roof bars, like what are some of the femme spaces that are being created in Salt Lake now that you think are kind of – maybe walking in the paper moon's path. Can I say none? <laughs> you can if you feel that way. Yeah, well, I do because I think that there are some spaces um, that are popping up that are very niche. I hate to go all Taylor Swift F the patriarchy, but there's something to be said about a lot of the spaces that we see that are queer spaces still feel very masculine and very male-dominated. And the female spaces seem to be lacking, not just for lesbians, but for all women in a lot of ways. You've been with me when I've tried to watch women's sports. I wanted to watch the WNBA finals. It's impossible to find a place that is okay not playing one of the 97,000 NBA games or MLB games and change the channel to the WNBA final. And... That is so difficult to me that I still, even though I feel like I'm a very confident and I, you know, I can be, uh, I have very thick skin, I still feel nervous going into a bar and asking if they can change the game to a women's basketball game or the college world series for softball. I feel uncomfortable doing that in most of our spaces. So I feel like we have a long way to go. I have sent cishet men to the bar to ask the whoever is in charge of the remote control if we could get any a particular women's sports game or event on the TV and watch them be yeah. shot down. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, well, then, whew, thank God it wasn't me. Like, whew. It's just, it's hard when you don't feel like you have that space. And, you know, obviously I care a lot about sports. I'm like sporty spice here. But, but there are other spaces that could be created that help women and lesbians feel more comfortable in a space where they can build community and connect and find people to date that aren't online, right? Because people are over these apps. They're over dating on these apps. And, and a lot of times they're there to make friends even. And 
if you can walk into a space, you move to a new city, you walk into a space and you know that you can feel comfortable in that space, that is that is huge. And so I really do think that there is a need and I think that those spaces are really important. On that note, I mean, I just know that you have given this some thought. So I have a thought exercise for you, which is if I gave you, Sarah Real, time, I know you're very busy. If I gave you time first and a small business loan today to open a lesbian bar in Salt Lake City, where would you put it? What would you call it? And what would it need to thrive? Love this. Have already thought about it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes. Um, I would actually put it like Glendale, somewhere in that area and or closer to the gateway downtown, somewhere in that space, I think would work, and or Sugar House, like where Fiddler's Elbow, now the locker room is. I've always thought of that space. And I would call it The Cage. Okay. And it would be in honor of the Paper Moon's cages that I frequented on the dance floor. But it would also have batting cages, hence why I was thinking more on the west side where there's more space. (laughs) Yep. It would have batting cages with really good contracts for people to sign so that we weren't responsible for any injuries they had while drinking and being in batting cages. That Those are details I could work out later. Yeah, the axe-throwing bars have got it figured out, so we'll just yes, copy-paste yeah. their contracts. Exactly, exactly. And it would have a dance floor, but it would also have a bar space where you could watch games or connect in that kind of area. So it would be like, um, you know, you'd walk in, bar space, dance floor, behind that batting cages. Would you be able to drink on the dance floor? (laughs) You would absolutely be able to drink on the dance floor. Yes, 100%. It is necessary. I can't believe they got away with that for so long. (laughs) The more that we, all of my friends, we were just sending each other memories. And it was like, I didn't realize until talking to a lot of my friends who are all, you know, they're thriving in life, but how important the paper moon was for their survival And even beyond us, like bonding over the fact we couldn't have drinks on the dance floor, right? And it was a really cool, it was really cool experience for me to go through and kind of reflect back on that time. And, and I guess I didn't really understand until I started thinking about it, how important it was. So for future generations, and for those of us who just really want to hang out with a bunch of lesbians, I hope that this dream becomes a reality. I mean, if I had a half a million dollars, I'd give it to you. <laughs> yes, this is the best Shark Tank ever. Sarah Real, thank you so much for sharing your memories and for giving this thought. Thanks for letting me have this experience. Appreciate it. I've got one more nugget for you today. It's a delightful sponsored segment from the Shop SLC on 400 South. CityCast's Andrea Salenzi catches up with Ann Olson. Anne is the community manager at the shop, and she shares how it's quickly becoming a Salt Lake institution. You've probably already been invited to an event there. Hi, I'm Andreas Lindsay, content director at CityCast, and I'm so excited to be joined today by Anne Olson from The Shop. The Shop is a co-working space located just east of the library at 350 East 400 South. Stop by and enjoy a complimentary day of co-working when you mention this interview. Anne Olson, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Hi, thanks so much. I'm really excited to be here. And you're the community manager at the shop. What's the community like there for someone who's been thinking about joining? I'm really proud of the community that we've built here at the shop. Typically, co-working spaces will say, you know, we're for this industry or that industry. And when we set up to build the shop, we were really focused on finding people that were doing their life's work, not someone who's just coming in to 
punch a clock, get their work done, head home, though we all have days like that. And as a result, the amount of innovation and connections that have spurred from a community of people who really care about what they do and how they're doing it and where they're doing it in Salt Lake City has led to some really incredible things. What would be your advice for someone's first day? Like, does everyone there know each other already? Is it hard to meet new people? What I find more often than not is you probably already know someone who is at the shop or is a friend of a friend at the shop. But if you're also looking to meet people, let my team know it's our job to make that introduction happen. So lean in, go to that happy hour, show up to that member breakfast, linger a little bit in the kitchen, and my team will make sure that you're meeting the people you want to meet. So what are some connections that you've helped foster that have led to collaborations that wouldn't have been possible without the shop? So we have amazing companies like V-School doing events over at Blue Jeans and SNS owns Blue Jeans. So that's really fun. Or maybe a quality Utah and SNS were able to get even closer through being neighbors. And now they get to have a booth at this Twilight show and beyond those kind of front facing public connections that are really tangible. I also see a lot of people who either they become friends and they start going to happy hour at the local every Thursday night, or they're really stuck on this pitch deck and they just can't figure out how to break past that. This guy over here is a consultant and that's what he does every single day. So you're out there making Small Lake City even smaller. Now, what if you're having the kind of day where you don't want to talk to anyone? Yeah, we definitely have you covered. So what's great about the shop is it's 30,000 square feet in total. About a third of that is open common space. And each floor has its own kind of vibe as a result. So our fourth floor is our quiet floor. It's not a library, but it's quieter, a little less hustle and bustle, no music playing. So you can get to work, get focused and do your thing. You have all these workspace options. There's an incredible roof deck. The location's insane. But there's also a social mission that's going on behind what you do at the shop. What are some of the values that drive this business? Part of what makes our city so cool is this willingness to help one another. It's really not like that in a lot of places. And we really were able to cement that vibe in Salt Lake City at the shop through our My Community program. So we partner with three different nonprofits every year. This year we have Spy Hop, Equality Utah, and the Spice Kitchen Incubator. And we donate both time and some money as well to really help them move forward their missions every year. So prioritizing those things through acts of service, we're doing a food drive right now, things that you really want to do, but you don't always have the time to do. It's our job to facilitate those opportunities. You can kind of pop in and out when you're available. There's nothing like coming in to a group of people that are wanting to help their community putting on some gloves, making some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and knowing that they went to elementary school kids in our community that are maybe food insecure. Oh, I love that. So what else are you able to offer members beyond the workspace and beyond uh, this community giving? Yeah, so we do tons of events. Our goal is at least 20 events every month. And we have a really wide range. So we partner with the Wine Academy of Utah for wine tastings. We work with other local organizations like Silk and Slopes to do things like a mayoral forum that we hosted. We're actually getting ready to launch a concierge solution soon. So if you're wanting to send flowers for someone's birthday and you really just don't have time to do that or you don't want to track down the perfect bouquet, right? We're able to help facilitate that. So it's really about making your life as easy as possible and as interesting as possible so that you can just get back to doing your best and most creative work. I have one last super important question. <laughs> How's the coffee? It's great. I'm biased because I picked it out, but I will say cold brew, super popular, 
as we move into the colder months, I'm really partial to this custom espresso blend we made with King's Peak. So you can only get it at the shop. And rumor has it the holiday blend from Salt Lake Grossing Company is coming soon too. So get your taste buds ready. So if you've listened to this interview, you can try the coffee yourself and enjoy a free day of co-working at the shop. Just mention you heard our wonderful guest, Anne Olson. Thank you for joining us, Anne. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is great. The shop is located just east of the library at 350 East, 400 South. Again, just mention you heard about the shop on CityCast Salt Lake, and they're going to set you up with a complimentary place to work for the day. Maybe it's going to be the most productive day you've had in a while. Learn more at shopworkspace.com. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye. Bye.